Hello and welcome to Damn Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses. My name is Doug and these are my acute mental neuroses. I am recording this a day early in regards to time management. Uh, it's not that I don't have a lot of time, it's that uh, I'm just trying to use the time I've got very, very wisely. So we're just going to get right into it. Uh, a few short things, uh, some medium things, and then uh, what I teased last week about um, the formative years of my life uh, as it accounts for my mental neuroses. So, State of the Union results of the network. Let's just get right into that. I had met with Lizzie uh, or Ryan on uh, last Friday, and we sat and talked. I told him about my situation, legally with everything, and uh, he was not happy that I hid, a, hid it um, and kind of glossed over the truth, uh, lied about it pretty much. Um, for a while, and it was because I was scared and ashamed and embarrassed, and he and I talked about that. Um, I will get to the actual business stuff in a bit, but this kind of pertains to another note, and he was really more upset, not at the lying, but that I hadn't learned from a year ago about that he'd learned that I was in a car accident, unrelated to my legal problems, that I was in a car accident by listening to Damn. And he came to me and said, I don't know why I had to learn about this on Damn. You should have called me. We're friends. We're, I'm here to support you, um, you know, emotionally, uh, uh, with rides, that kind of stuff, you know. So, um, you know, to be there as a friend. And I went, yeah, no, you're right. And uh, I've always had problems reaching out for help, and that'll probably get talked about in the uh, awkward formative year stuff. The note says that it's kind of a, ten, uh, a tangential note. Uh, not learning from Dam 155. Yeah, I talked about this before, uh, o over a year ago, almost a year ago, in fact. And I hadn't learned. I didn't reach out for help. I mean, and, and it was that I, I'm bad about reaching out for help. And I, I always think I have to take everything on alone. And I, I have some ideas about why that is. And like I said, I'll get into that later. But he was, wasn't happy with that. And that was the beginning of our State of the Union talk, was, was the State of the Union of our friendship. And we're fine now, or, you know, uh, we're cool. And um, I apologized, and, you know, he accepted it, and we talked about it, and, you know, what it meant for me, what it meant for the network, how it impacted everything. And uh, I, I, he was right. Like, once again, like, once I said it, and it was easier to talk about it after the first, you know, initial, like, minute of, like, look, yeah, I was an idiot, and I was embarrassed, and I'm getting better about talking about it, but, you know, there was there was no reason why I couldn't have come to him when I talked to Deb about this a year ago, other than, you know, I, I was letting people down. Um, everyone around me, I was letting them, I felt like I was letting them down emotionally uh, and all that, and, you know, you don't want to face that. I think I talked a little bit about this last week, but once I did it, it was fine. There was you know, a positive outcome, which was, he said, I'm here, uh, and I'm not going anywhere. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that fear of rejection that I've talked about for, you know, I, I don't know how many episodes. And, uh, so that was, that was good. Um, but it, what, not, what isn't good is that I didn't learn a lesson from a year ago. Um, you know, it was a, you know, not a backslide, but it was something that I, I kind of consciously knew, about a year ago that I didn't change, um, and, uh, almost willfully just kept going with, 
you know, poor behavior. Um, so I am going to change that. Uh, the next time anything horrible happens, which I hope it doesn't, I'm just going to own it, truly own it, um, and not wait for the therapy to take a hold and go, okay, I'm ready to own it. Like, whether I'm ready or not, just say, fuck it. Here's what happened. You know, let the chips fall where they may with friends and family, but it, it's a fact of life, uh, you know, that, you know, situation X happened. So I'm I'm going to try to really learn. Hopefully, maybe I'll do a thing in a year <laughs> as we get closer to episode 300 uh, or like probably around like 250, 260 that I go, look, you know, I two years ago, I made a mistake a year ago. Uh, I made a mistake. And then a year from now, I'll go, you know what? I've made that mistake twice and I've learned from it. So I'll be able to say, I learned from it, as opposed to saying, I haven't learned from it. Or there might be a note that says, not learning from damn 209, which I really won't want to write, but once again, will take that ownership. Let's see. Oh, so anyway, so we talked about the company. Um, he is leaving the company, which I'm I'm sad to see him go, but um, it's for good reasons. Uh, he's got some opportunities in his day job that are going to be very time-consuming, but very positive. Um, he felt, uh, or feels... Um, he hasn't really been contributing and he doesn't, you know, want to, in, in a nice way, doesn't want to be a part of something that he's not contributing to if it's, you know, when it succeeds, he's going to feel like he didn't do anything while, you know, I'm doing, you know, a ton of work and trying to, you know, make this thing, you know, blast off by the seat of its pants. So I said, I understand. And, and he's, you know, he, he was very gracious and said, you know, I, I, I would I I personally I said this to him I was like I think he suggested being a, a guest on No Applause here and there and I said absolutely we still want you to be part of this whole thing um, you know if he has any ideas for launching um, Splinter in your mind uh, yes we'll absolutely do that and you know have the uh, have the infrastructure to uh, you know get that off the ground for him um, so that he doesn't need to worry about anything else but recording it. Um, and then he can send it to me and I can edit it and get it all up and boom out into the internet in the world. And if he has any other ideas, uh, you know, in terms of anything creative, absolutely. I'm going to be picking his brain about a few, um, behind the, uh, curtain stuff, uh, in terms of web work and, um, some very exciting investment stuff, uh, you know, startup stuff. Uh, later on that I'm not going to talk about because it's way too early to even talk about it. So, I mean, it sucks that he leaves, but, you know, he's still a good friend. He'll still be a resource for the company. But more importantly, he's a good friend, and that's my takeaway from that. At that point, I, I hadn't didn't know that I would be uh, impulse buying a PlayStation 4 the day, <laughs> the day after, uh, which explains why I'm trying to utilize excellent time management because the PlayStation is literally just sitting a foot away from me, begging to be played. Um, and I did buy a handful of games that are a lot of fun, such as Deadpool, which I know didn't get great reviews, but it is fun and funny. So I'm, I'm trying to get stuff done off my list, because I'm trying to treat the, the PlayStation 4 as, like, dessert. Uh, it doesn't need to be a massive distraction, even though it, it wants to be, and I want it to be. Um, I am using uh, Hal Jordan-level willpower to, you know, look at my to-do list and go, get 
you know, the calls done and go run your errands and work on network shit, um, clean your bathroom. And then when everything's said and done and you come home from your errands and you wipe your to-do list, then you can sit down and have some dinner and play some, play some games. So I'm, I'm really trying to be really good. Um, the, the, I guess the, the, the dark cloud of the silver lining of it is that, um, I've been going out to get work done because if I'm home, eventually I'll stop and have lunch and go, well, I'm eating lunch. I'm not really working. I can play the game. And then I don't surface for hours. So I have been going out to get work done. Um, after I got done recording with Deb this week for no applause, I ended up going to a restaurant, to, uh, just like a bar and grill, just to sit and edit and um, work on some stuff. And, you know, Deb was like, oh, you know, you don't really go out, you know, to lunch very often. I said, well, you know, I need to be away from that PlayStation 4 because the minute I get home and go, well, I've recorded and I've, you know, I'll edit tomorrow and, you know, I don't have to get anything else done today. So, you know, I'm going to go out later today and once again, um, go to, uh, to, uh, like a bar and grill and just sit and soak up internet and get work done so that I'm not distracted, but that all costs money, which I do have. So, but the whole, you know, thing about the PlayStation was like, oh, I'll be staying in and it gives me something to do. So I don't feel like going out and now it's working counterproductive to that. I think that's it uh, until we get to the formative years. So here we go. Strap in folks. Um, this is going to be something. So I talked a little bit last week and kind of teased it about uh, my awkward years and kind of the roots of some of my mental neuroses and just how I was, and I think it's important to talk about. Um, I haven't really gotten into my past that much. I mean, I've talked about my dad, who, you know, I haven't really talked to since everything happened with him and, and the the hospital visit and pickup, and I need to, I know I do, but... Uh, it's, I just need to get, I, I need to really step up, uh, to just fucking call him. But anyway, so, uh, I teased it and I talked about like these, there are these like kind of formative eras where they say, oh, your formative years. And I think there are different eras of that. I think there's childhood and adolescence and adulthood. And I think that we leave, we leave some of them. Um, but the, the traces, the DNA of some of those previous eras kind of stay with us. I mean, as you know, obviously your life since birth shapes you, I mean, you're going to hang on to stuff, but sometimes it's, uh, for good or for ill. So, um, I am going to slam through, I've kind of broken it down into eras and then, you know, kind of some wrap up notes. So I, I don't have elementary school on here only because, um, I had talked last week about, you know, watching cartoons and how it kind of fed my, uh, you know, and kickstarted my love of science fiction and to some extent fantasy. Um, my parents were big readers, so I was a big reader. Um, so I loved reading. And really, in elementary school, that's all you're pretty much doing is reading and writing and math and watching cartoons and playing with friends, which I didn't really have a lot of friends. And I think that's something that I took away it, throughout my whole life that I didn't need a whole lot of friends, which once again probably ties into the whole I don't reach out for help because I've never had a huge support circle. But the friends I've got are always, you know, very close. So while I don't have, um, you know, a huge social circle, I mean, I've got a lot of acquaintances, 
Um, but I, I don't have a lot of friends. I, I have friends that are very, very close to me that I consider effectively family, much like um, Ryan uh, from this show. Ryan from Shooting the Gap, two different Ryans. Deb, obviously my family. Uh, well, some of it. You know, my friend Gretchen, who's like a sister to me. Um, I've got a few other close friends, um, like Ryan from Shooting the Gap's uh, brother, Justin, and a few other folks from that circle where we kind of came together in our 20s, which I will talk about later. You know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of friends, and it wasn't that I wasn't outgoing. It was just I was a very insular kid, and I still very much am, as he talks to his computer alone right now. Um, that, you know, I had my books, I had my video games, I had my cartoons, and that's what I needed. I was taking in pop culture and saying, well, this is what I want, and this fills a void. I don't feel alone when I'm playing games, watching cartoons, reading a book. Um, social interaction was not super high on my, uh, to-do list as a child. Now, middle school hits. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I've got stunted socialization skills. I can talk to people, but, you know, once again, I came up with a lot of the same kids. We all lived in the same neighborhood, went from elementary school to middle school uh, to high school together. And, you know, you start kind of figuring out who you are and you start bonding with uh, kids on a more um, deeper and uh, intellectual and emotional level based on, I would imagine, your likes. Um, you start figuring out if you're good at math, you like science. Um, jokes about what you want to do when you grow up, which miserably fail. Um, as a child, I wanted to be a scientist. And people were like, what? And adults were like, what kind of scientist do you want to be? A biologist? Chemist? And I was like, no, scientist. I want to study science. I was a tiny idiot with lofty idiot goals. So uh, middle school, you know, I started getting into being a, being a creative, a creative nerd. Uh, Hardwick calls it a nerdist. Um, and I start, you know, figuring out, well, I really like the arts. I like, you know, uh, reading and writing. Um, drawing was a big one. Uh, once again, I get into more progressive and involved video games and television. So, uh, my ability to not only take in stories, but to tell them starts expanding. And then, you know, to some extent you have, you know, that awkward monster puberty, which is why I brought this whole thing up because I've been watching, um, Big Mouth on Netflix. So now you have like the whole like, now you gotta talk to girls thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not good at that at all. Every person doesn't want to be rejected. But I think this is where my fear of rejection truly comes in, which probably stems from my dad emotionally abandoning, abandoning me in high school. But then I only saw my dad every other weekend. And in my head, I'm going, if you don't talk to someone, they just eventually go away and everything's okay. And when you do talk to them, it's very transient, and it only lasts for a small amount of time, and then you split. So I think that really informs where I was at in terms of looking at, you know, emotional relationships and romantic relationships. It's like, I'm going to put in the time and effort, and it's just going to dissolve eventually. And not that I pushed away people. I didn't push away people because I, I thought they would leave. There weren't, like, massive abandonment issues. Um, it was just one of those, like... Everything's transient. It's very early into nihilism, apparently. Um, but very, you know, everything's kind of transient. And I'm, you know, permanent in my own life, obviously. And the things I like are, you know, permanent for the most part. I mean, TV shows get canceled. But in terms of um, pop culture and my interests, 
You know, there'll always be art, there'll always be comics, there'll always be video games in some form or another. And these things, you know, fulfill that need in me. Um, I had another point off the top of my head, and, and I totally lost it as well. I had something to do with socialization. But, so then you kind of get into, oh, and I, you know, and I was hassled in middle school because, you know, I was that nerdy kid. I, you know, had a dumb haircut and glasses and gaps in my teeth and, you know, was into, and nerd, you know, I mean, this is decades before, you know, Iron Man and the Avengers and Marvel break the box office and Wonder Woman and, you know, video games are cool and everyone's wearing Deadpool shirts. Like, this is, I'm running around with, like, unpopular X-Men t-shirts like Bishop and Gambit, who I don't know why I was wearing Gambit because I think he's one of the worst X-Men. Um, and Bishop is just, why? But, you know, like, I was a nerd kid, and that wasn't popular, and, you know, I was hassled and, you know, not beat up, but, like, you know, shoved into lockers and ignored and ostracized. So I think, you know, once again, that fed into the, why am I going to put in time to expand or make any kind of serious contact uh, and relationship with people when this is how I'm being treated by people. This is the beginning of my hatred of humanity. This is the the misanthropy of um, I think I mispronounced that. The misan uh, misanthropy of misanthropy. That sounds more correct. Um, my my hatred of of humankind. My hatred of people. Um, I think this that's where it starts is just being hassled. Getting into I debating whether to break this into chunks since we're already at twenty minutes. Or close to uh, after editing. But let's just get through it. High school, you know, I do figure out, like, hey, get a, not cool haircut, but, like, I start shaving my head because it's easy. And it doesn't look as dumb as the weird Jufro pompadour thing I'd grown. Um, I get contacts. I get braces. Um, I start kind of cleaning up. I have very ugly duckling syndrome, which is when, you know, you're very, uh, I wouldn't say unattractive. I mean, I wasn't a chud. But... You know, I wasn't, you know, like I said, really dorky looking. Um, and then by senior year, like, I had contacts, uh, a, you know, a decent haircut. My braces had come off. My, you know, smile was fine and all this. And I kind of had learned to, to dress a bit better. Uh, not like polo shirts and shit, but just, you know, like plain black, like, T-shirts and jeans and just kind of having, um, you know, not wearing comic book shirts, which I did early on in high school, you know, I kind of moved away from band shirts by the end of high school, I was just kind of wearing plain t-shirts and jeans and sneakers and just kind of having a look, you know, and oh, so Ugly Duckling, so I developed my personality uh, based on my awkward appearance um, to become more attractive to, you know, just everybody, guys and, and gals alike, so that when I cleaned up and, you know, everyone was like, holy crap, he's almost unbearably beautiful, I also had... Uh, what I thought was a winning personality. Turns out I, I, I have a participation a participation trophy personality, really. But in high school, I also learned how to emotionally shut down. Um, that fear of rejection uh, really kicked in. And, you know, I mean, I dated constantly, which is, you know, looking back, kind of weird. And I, I dated constantly in my early 20s. But anything, like, painful or sad, like, I just shoved down and I eventually became, like, almost sociopathically like, emotionally unavailable, I was a fucking rock, which would lead to very bad things, and, you know, that's middle, uh, high school, rather, is, is, you know, when I start getting into, you know, 
drugs and drinking, and it becomes a social thing, and it allows me to come out of my shell um, and, and be funny, and of course there's positive reinforcement, because people I'm making people laugh, and it feels good, and then I'm like, I'm the funny guy, I'm the entertaining guy, like, people want to have me at parties. You know, into my 20s, I keep drinking, um, still, you know, the kind of roguish charm and, and kind of the party person, um, you know, once again, not schmoozing with a, a ton of people, like, I... Uh, I wasn't really good at groups because I couldn't um, focus on, like, entertaining everybody, and I think that I kind of just hit one or two people or glommed on to, like, you know, a handful of friends, crowds, if I don't know a whole lot of people in, in social situations, not like conventions, like DCC, I was fine, I'm like, I don't need to know these people, I don't need to be nervous around them, but at social situations, like parties or get-togethers or what have you, um, I, I do get, I still get a little nervous just because I you know, I'm fairly filterless, um, and a lot of people don't know how to take that, um, I've got friends who have to apologize for me early on, I go, sorry, he's an asshole, that's just how he is, and when you get to know him, he's, you know, it, he's good to have on your side, um, <laughs> but I, I can come off as blunt and caustic, but I was socialized in that, you know, my dad was raised with three other brothers, and they were mean to each other because that's what brothers do. And when my dad had a son, he was mean to me, you know, I mean, really legally, verbally abusive, but what are you going to do? But with his sarcasm and, you know, he was, you know, kind of jokingly mean with me. And because that's how he knew how to socialize with a guy, uh, his son. And when I grew up, that's how I socialized with everyone. It was like, if I'm being mean to you, you know, I mean, if I'm joking with you and making fun of you, that means I like you. If I don't like you, I ice you out completely, utterly. You are dead to me. And it's it's fairly quick. So if I'm joking around and, you know, kind of making fun of your feet or whatever, that means I like you, which doesn't do well for flirting. Um, flirting, I, I know I, I shouldn't, like, you know, do that. Um, but I also think I'm too subtle in that I do really nice things, and then I, I don't really follow up with, uh, like, you know, so let's go out. I'm, I'm getting better about that, especially with Katie. Um, so, now, I had mentioned finding yourself. Uh, you find yourself, okay, a lot of people say in high school, but that's not true. Um, I would say college age and in your 20s is when you really solidify who you are. You become more confident. Um, wh who, what you like is, is very concrete and you seek out other people, you tend not to be a social chameleon or, you know, you know how you dress, you know your style, you know your personality, uh, interests, like I said. Um, the people that you meet in your 20s are probably going to be the li lifelong friends for the most part, which I found true. Um, I know when I was in high school, I'm like, these are my best friends, and everyone's like, yeah, these people are, you know, once again, transient uh, to some extent. Um, social media has changed that. Uh, in a huge way with being, uh, quote-unquote, friends, socially networky with uh, people I knew from high school. But, uh, you know, in your 20s, you do, you do form up um, and really make those lifelong friends, and you find yourself. Now, in that, I, I think, honestly, some people are always that awkward teenager in their heads. They're... Even, that's the motivation, even in their 20s and 30s, possibly 40s, because um, they're trying to recapture that youth that is awkwardly sitting in the back of their head. And, you know, once again, like, I'm working through all this stuff, and it still, you know, comes from the socialization with my dad. It comes from the fear of rejection that started all the way back in, 
middle school with, you know, how I dressed and what I was into um, and not being able to talk to girls. And, and that, you know, fuels the fear of rejection as well. And the, you know, feelings of, of solitude, um, self-inflicted, I guess. I mean, I, it sounds so negative, but, um, but that, you know, very insular, um, very lone wolf vibe where I don't reach out for help because, you know, it's like, I want to do it myself, whether it's detrimental to my well-being or not. And that's what I need to snap out of from what I talked about almost half an hour ago um, about asking for help. So talking about all this, you know, ways to, to, to kind of get out of your head and get to be a better person is, you know, going through therapy and processing all this stuff um, if you're not totally cognizant of it. And if you're completely cognizant of it, either you've done the work before therapeutically or you're some kind of third eye open super motherfucking cosmic guru person. You you are like, you know, some kind of emotional Dalai Lama fucking silver surfer Zen motherfucker. So and I think you'd be full of shit. So I'll probably talk more about this next week in terms of putting together more notes about how, you know, to kind of work through everything, but I wanted to get into kind of my backstory. Um, and some of the roots of stuff. I haven't had, like, a, not that I was looking for a breakthrough on this, but, you know, talking about it, you can kind of see from, you know, episode one to episode 209 now, you know, like, hey, like, it's just something as simple as wearing an unpopular shirt when he was 12, 13, whatever it was, that was the root, the catalyst you know, the mosquito and the ember go back to that that lovely metaphor of the emotional velociraptors from, like, episode one or two. That was the root, that unpopular shirt, uh, you know, 20 years ago, was the root of why I haven't, you know, had a girlfriend in almost five years. Like, think about, like, that's it's one of the reasons, not all of the reasons, legal situation, you know, blah, blah, blah. So... But, I mean, look at that. Like, just wearing an unpopular shirt and the reaction I get from the, the peer group uh, affected me 20 years, 25 years later. It's like, holy shit. Like, that, I mean, I'm not having that breakthrough right now, but it's like, that's the kind of thing that people sh aren't cognitive of, cognizant of, rather, and that's the start of anyone's, you know, acute mental neuroses. Um, and that's why I talked about kind of my formative years to give you an idea of like the smallest, you know, butterfly flap ends up being the emotional hurricane 20 years later. And, you know, you might want to look at what's going on with you and what's triggering X, Y, Z. I mean, some of the stuff is medical. I mean, I know Deb has talked about either on, on no applause or with me off air about her depression. And that's been there since brain chemistry day zero, you know, but in terms of, you know, my kind of socially, um, emotionally inherited uh, neuroses from just living life, you know, it, it, there are the smallest things that now are, you know, just catastrophic volcanoes in my brain. So, that was an odd metaphor. Um, didn't, didn't really work at all. So on that note, that's where I'll leave you, um, and I'll probably talk more about this next week. 
but from DAM, Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses, I'm Doug, and from DAM, Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses, these have been the genesis of said acute mental neuroses. Good night, Internet. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.